You're listening to the Consumer Fi Podcast, powered by Norridge, loan software that accelerates change. Everybody, on today's podcast, I'd like to welcome uh, Steve Burke, who's the president and CEO of Agora Data. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, additionally, I um, thought we'd have a little fun today. Uh, for people that, that are in the know, and if you're not, I'll tell you, uh, the National Automotive Finance Association is the only trade group that is exclusively focused on the interests of the non-prime automotive lender. And uh, Steve is, uh, is a legacy in that he created the trade group uh, with Jack Tracy, who was the executive director from day one and still at it. Jack has joined us and he is going to be uh, joining in the fun. Jack, welcome to the podcast. Well, yeah, well, and I'm glad to be here. Uh, when Steve and I uh, started this uh, 25 years ago, I had light hair and brown hair and uh, we both looked a lot younger and Steve had hair. <laughs> so, uh, uh, time does catch up with you, but uh, I'm real pleased to be able to be on the podcast here today and to, uh, and to see Steve again. Yeah, and this is kind of a cool little trio. Um, Steve hosted Jack and I really quite impromptu. We were down, I think, for the American Recovery Association conference down in Texas one year, a couple of years ago. And this is when you first started getting the Agora platform up and running. And so, Steve, you were so gracious to host us and you showed us a little bit and we asked you stupid questions and you acted like they were good, which was always nice. And uh but but Steve, can you do an intro just for the folks who don't? I, I doubt there's many in in the in the industry who don't know who you are, or haven't maybe even done business with you. I know I have. Uh, but give us the background, and then um, and then I want to kind of talk a little bit about Agora and how that started. How does that sound? That sounds great, Joel. So I spent about 35 years, I guess, in auto finance. You know, in a variety of different roles. Um, early on, I had a point of sale subprime finance company you know, back in the 80s and early 90s and built that up into a decent sized company, did our first securitization, you know, probably one of the first uh, companies to do securitizations back in the early 90s in subprime auto. Um, Then I moved along to another company that was a CEO of called uh, FSB Financial, where we uh, purchased from um, finance companies and purchase from credit unions and banks and buy here, pay here dealers, loans on what's called the secondary market. So it wasn't point of sale paper and built that up into a, a rather you know sizable company and sold it to uh, BB&T and its subsidiary regional acceptance. And then I spent uh, six years at BB&T uh, regional acceptance managing acquisitions for them. Um, before I joined my father at a company that he had started called SFG Finance, which was similar to FSB Financial, where it was an acquirer on the secondary market of loans, again, from banks and credit unions and car dealers and the like. Um, my dad had passed away in 2011, and then I, I went ahead and sold that company for the bank that owned it, um, started a, another company called Center Street Finance, which was a boutique uh, portfolio manager for hedge funds and banks, and we managed subprime assets for them and did um, sat on top of servicers and did all their reporting. We did FDIC reporting for you know lots of community banks. And then in uh, 2017, myself and 
my older son and uh, Daniel Burke and my partner, Chris Hawk, came up with the idea of why don't we take what we do, you know, at Center Street Finance for, for banks and for hedge funds and create a platform to do that and give everybody access to the software that will enable them to do, you know, really robust modeling and um, uh, portfolio and loan pricing and other types of analytics, including, you know, building a, a loan marketplace. So we started Agora back in um, April of 2017 to um, allow, let's say, car dealers to interact <coughs> with finance companies. And if they wanted to sell loans, they could sell loans. Or, you know, if they wanted to see valuations or analytics, they could do that on our platform as well. And, you know, fast forward to, you know, 2021, where we have lots of other features now, you know, on the Agora platform. And and for folks that are listening, um, uh you can you can research a lot of this information and see the platform. Uh, the website is it's agoradata.com. Agoradata.com, folks. A g o r a d a t a dot com. And uh, so so Steve, the thing that I really like about what Agora is doing is it is streamlining a lot of these processes. But then the other really important thing that you're doing here is you are increasing financial access to the ultimate consumer. And let me explain how I came up with that calculus. Uh, Indirect auto finance, as you know, Steve, opens the door to provide financial access to so many in the underserved community. Um, You're dealing with uh, bank money that it to, to to the buy here, pay here dealers or to these finance companies, that is a high cost of capital because you're gonna see a higher uh, loss ratio as well. So they need to cover themselves. And so that has to be paid through to the customer, but the customer can get a car. Uh, terms have been extending um, and that makes affordability a little better. Um, but, you know, by doing something like um, we're going to get into, I, I just want to punctuate that this is a, a, a flow of cash from, from hedge funds and banks through these lenders and buy here, pay here dealers, and then through to the ultimate consumer. Mm-hmm. And so there is a breakdown when you're a smaller lender, you just don't have the size and scale and scope. You're not a minimum deal size that is interesting to a lot of these financial partners. And so maybe you can talk a little bit about <clears throat> that, Steve, about your point of view on that. I, I know you're, you're you're very bullish on, on creating this market as am I. Mm-hmm. So, so let me break it out this way, Joel. So we, we approached Agora as three distinct features within our platform. The first thing we did was come out with a feature called Agora Insights. And what Agora Insights is we, we API or digitally integrated with dealer management systems. So the data will come directly from the dealer system onto the Agora platform seamlessly, no need for you know Excel files or emailing of non-public information. Everything is server to server. So through that API integration, we're able to ingest the data from the dealer's you know, system of record. With that data, we push back to the dealer insights, which is why we call it Agora Insights, on how to originate better, how to lower losses, how to maybe lower LTVs and actually make more money in doing so, how to lower interest rates and make more money in doing so. 
So when you think about LTV or interest rates, those are two things that affect the end consumer. So from the insights platform, we provide those analytical tools so dealers could more um, efficiently and elegantly lower rates, lower LTVs benefiting the consumer. The second leg uh, or second feature that we developed, we call Agora Trade. Agora Trade, before Agora, if, if a, let's use a buy here, pay here dealer as an example, if they wanted to sell loans that they originated, you know, they would have to deal with a handful of strategic buyers. Strategic buyers, you know, defined as finance companies that every day their core business is, is buying, you know, loans, buying contracts and servicing them. So you have a handful of strategic buyers that could do that through Agora Trade. We now open that up to hedge funds, family offices, some PE groups. So what we did there is connect that buy here, pay here dealer with hedge funds, let's say, which brings new, fresh and larger amounts of capital yeah. to the market. And that created a situation where the, the buy here, pay here dealer, using them as an example, would be able to potentially sell their accounts for more money. Mm -hmm. So they wouldn't have to, again, maximize interest rates and LTVs to the consumer to be able to raise enough cash for their operations. And that's on the Agora trade feature. That works really seamlessly. Um, you know, we, we created aggregation tools. So what happens is if a hedge fund wants to spend $100 million, and there may not be a dealer, most buy here, pay here dealers are, you know, 500,000 to 5 million, let's say, in size. We developed aggregation technology that can aggregate, let's say, 20, $5 million buy here, pay here dealers into a $100 million mm -hmm. transaction and make that a whole loan sale to a hedge fund. And when that happens, buy here, pay here dealer gets access to more capital through a loan sale. The third feature that we came out with is for the buy here, pay here dealer or the small finance company that doesn't want to sell their loans. They want to own them and collect all of the, the full residual value of that loan. So we developed um, a, a feature called Agora Capital, which I think is what you know you were alluding to a moment ago. Agora Capital, what we did is we we invented a crowdsourced securitization. So if you think of a securitization, a normal securitization, you have you know ABC Finance Company or bank that maybe has two hundred million dollars in their portfolio and they have a credit line and they hit maybe the max you know, on their credit facility, and then they term those loans out, that 200 million into a securitization. And they're able to do it because they have the, the scale, the 200 million, they have the sophistication, they have all the reporting necessary that the capital markets want to see. And then they also have the balance sheet that allows them to stand behind all the reps and warrants and everything with a securitization. That's a typical everyday securitization that Nissan does and Chase does and, you know, GM Financial and Santander and all of them. So we said, okay, how can we bring that kind of elegant capital market financing to a buy here, pay here dealer with only half a million dollars on their balance sheet? So what we did is we, we invented the crowdsourcing technology to take, let's say, 100, $1 million buy here, pay here dealers, and aggregate that into a capital market securitization. 
that's what we mean by crowdsourced securitization. So our technology is able to say to 100 $1 million by here pay here dealers, we will give you the the same leverage, the same low cost capital, the same advance rates that a GM Financial or a Santander gets in their securitizations because we are providing the scale through our crowdsourcing. We're providing the sophistication through Agora Insights, all of the analytical tools that we've built. And combined, we're able to now move that into a securitization. What that has done is take a, a let's use again a buy here, pay here dealer as an example, that may be paying some rediscount lender, you know, 10%, 12%, 14%, 15% for their money. And now we move them into a structure where they're paying low to mid single digits for their money. And that mm-hmm. will just filter all the way down to the consumer. You know, if, if a dealer doesn't have to mark up when they're paying 14% to 18, 19, 20, 21% to the consumer, and now they could take a, as an example, a five or a 6% rate, maybe they only have to mark it up to a eight, 9% rate to the consumer and still be very profitable. So, that, you know, that, that, that's our crowdsource securitization. That right there is is on the nose, exactly what I was talking about. You brought it all together in terms of that is the final maneuver. I love the the insights and the trade, but this final maneuver is the piece where if you can create, you're creating opportunity to cut the operating or the cost uh, cost of capital across a, a volume of buy here, pay here dealers and have them included in something bigger. And I, I just really, truly believe that this is ultimately good for the American consumer. Yeah, let, you me, know, come I, a little, let, let me come a little bit on that. Uh, as uh, Joel said, I'm the executive director of the uh, National Automotive Finance Association. So my role in the industry is to try to uh, see that the uh, elements of competition are as equitable as they can be. And it's been for <clears throat> years I have felt that the uh, the buy here pay here dealer was uh, got getting the lesser opportunity uh, to to optimize his situation, and it's because of his access to capital, and by uh, affording a buy here pay here dealer now the ability to join with other buy here uh, pay here dealers and go into a securitization, it creates a level playing field so that their pricing can be more in line with the Santander's, the Westlake's, the bigger mm-hmm. ones. And uh, this is better for the consumer. Uh, and I uh, really uh, 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 credit Steve and his uh, ability to look at the market and see this opportunity. It's an opportunity for his company, but uh, more so than that, it's an opportunity for the, uh, for the ultimate buy here, pay here customer uh, that uh, or the ultimate uh, non-prime customer who has to pay a little bit more in order to get financing, he has more sources now to do it. He can go, go directly to a, an auto dealer and get the same kind of pricing and underwriting that he would if he were to go to a, a much larger bank. So uh, uh, a real credit to Steve on this. Jack, thank you. But, but to your point, so in, in the deal that we closed December 29th, uh, of 2020. Um, again, that was the first crowdsourced securitization ever to be done, you know, anywhere in the United States and I think in the world. Um, it wasn't only buy here, pay here dealers, small to mid-tier finance companies 
also experienced the same, um, you know, lack of access to capital. Yes. And, 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 and we, we aggregate them as well. So, I, I, like, I'll give you an example. We had one dealer, believe it or not, with $11,000 worth of loans go into a securitization. Mm-hmm. And then we had one more than 20 million and everything in between. So so when you think about the power of, of a crowdsourced securitization, it's not just more elegant financing with a lower rate and a good advance. It's, you know, securitizations are non-recourse debt, number one. Number two, what we really provide is is that dealer or that finance company can dream big because we we open up that access to capital. Right. So you know the rates are lower, sure, but the <coughs> access yeah. is, is is you know when you think of a a dealer with two loans and eleven thousand dollars now has access to you know a securitization. You know, that, that, that's dream. How big do you want to get? Dream big. As long as you could, as long as a dealer exhibits that they could underwrite their loans consistently, you know, and, 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 and fairly, they can dream as big as they want to dream. The other thing is, what's, what's really interesting, if you think about a lot of these dealers and finance companies, they have lots of restrictive financial covenants mm-hmm. on their lines of credit. So when you have a senior lender that provides you a line of credit, you have a tangible net worth test or an EBITDA test or or whatever. If you want to go buy a boat, if you're a buy here, pay here deal, you want to go buy a boat and take a distribution out of your company, you have to get permission from your senior lender to take that distribution, you know, for fifty thousand or a hundred thousand to buy a boat. In a securitization, you know, those loans are already moved off into a special purpose vehicle. Um, if the dealer wants to spend his own money, you know, to buy a boat, I can't stop him. Yeah. Can't restrict them. So it's not only the, the lower cost capital, it's not only the access to capital, it's the freedom of what that capital provides. You provide flexibility. To absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. A, a very good a- point. Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you, um, you know, a case example, We uh, a case study we had. Uh, uh, one particular dealer, I won't mention the name, in our last transaction that um, had a credit facility where they were maxed out. They had an $8 million portfolio. They were maxed out on their credit facility. Beautiful, fantastic performing paper. But they're maxed out on their facility. So they couldn't do any more underwriting. They couldn't grow. All they could do is cover runoff. So their runoff was about 2% a month. So they could put on Roughly, you know, two hundred thousand, hundred fifty to two hundred thousand in new loans a month, and that's it. That that was all. So basically, they could run it off and build back up to that eight million dollars. Yeah. Well, we refinanced that portfolio through the crowdsource securitization. So that eight million, their senior lender got paid off in full. There was a couple hundred thousand over and above the payoff to the senior lender that the dealer received, and now, and on top of everything else. They more than halved the rate that they're paying in the securitization from the rate that they were paying to their senior lender. But most importantly, they now have $8 million of capacity. Yes, yes. So they can now grow and inside of a year end up with a $16 million portfolio or a $20 million portfolio that they could just not do that without having access to 
you know, Gore Capital securitization. And uh, if they have to be price competitive in the marketplace to get a deal, they're able to now where they uh, yep. where they were, they couldn't before. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a, that's a big deal to me because we've all uh, had experience dealing with some of the smaller uh, regional lenders that tend to grow. They create a presence and then economic cycles can really do a number on a smaller mm-hmm. company that's holding right. a portfolio of say Good sub point. $50 million. It, it's my real hope that tools like, like this, Steve, are going to help strengthen that market because I want to see that that market, I don't need every small dealer or every small lender to become the next big thing. I just want them to be able to do what their intentions were and get the access to capital just like the big guys. That's. I'm not asking for any favors. I just want them to have a little bit of an easier road to hoe, right? You know, I look at a buy here, pay here dealer. If you think about community banking, you know, and, and if you want to think back to the 08, 09, you know, recession, right? I mean, the world was coming to an end and there were banks that were considered too big to fail and, and lots of new rules and regulations came out. And what did those rules and regulations really do? They pushed out the smaller community banks that couldn't compete. And the banks that were too large to fail became even larger. Yeah. Yes. And, and those are facts. As of today, there are less community banks and more large banks. And that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. Large banks are great. And community banks are great. But the analogy I'm trying to make is if you look at a buy here, pay here dealer, they're a small entrepreneurial dealer that's underbanked. And then you have all the big players in the industry, and we don't have to name them, but we all know who they are, you know, where you could just go on your iPhone today and have a card delivered in 15 minutes in your front yard or, you know, go to a a superstore that has, you know, 500 cars in inventory. And sooner or later, those smaller entrepreneurial buy here, pay here dealers like community banks will be squeezed out and you'll only be left with you know, larger platform dealerships. And again, nothing wrong with larger platform dealerships. They're great operators. They give consumers great deals, but it does remove a segment of small finance companies and small car dealers from it. So we're, we're sort of, Jack, I think you alluded to it, leveling the playing field right. by, by now saying, okay, the, the big box stores, the way they get their money, well, the, the street corner dealer, as long as he's honest and moral and ethical and originates, you know, cleanly and sticks to good underwriting guidelines, can have the same capital access that that huge, you know, store down the block that has 500 cars on their lot, same kind of capital we're providing to the smaller dealer. And that allows them to compete. And I know uh, from my years in this business that many uh, non-prime consumers would rather deal with a smaller operation. They feel closer to it. They feel it's part of their community. And <clears throat> given the preference uh, where they're able to get uh, uh, similar pricing and underwriting, uh, uh, many uh, consumers will, will go that route. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's. I, I think it's a welcome addition. And I know I beat the beat the, the hell out of this, but I, you know, I, I want to make sure that the folks that listen to this that work in other aspects of concern, be it regulatory or whatever, that this is something, you know, we're, we're here, we're, we hear loud and clear. I saw the letter from Maxine Waters. I hear all the rumors about the Biden administration, about their focus. 
on the consumer. And this is something that, you know, obviously the, the consumer is somebody we deal with on a daily basis. We collect on these people. We hear their hardships. We probably hear more about this than the regulators do, honestly. And we, we this is a space we're comfortable in. It's just, I just think it's really uh, nice to show that the industry is in step with the way that the world is moving. And that's, that's what I really like about it. So along those lines, innovation, obviously something that you're passionate about, Steve. Um, and that is one of the pillars that I wanted to make sure we were, we were bringing forth within this podcast. So thank you very much for, for being here to, to present this. But along those lines of innovation, I have to tap your brain because I, so I, I have a joke about you. I don't know if you know it. Maybe your ears were burning. But when Jack and I sat there and you were showing us Agora in the beginning, a couple of years ago, and I had all these thoughts and all these questions in my mind and everything that I asked, especially the ones where I thought, okay, I've got one. I've got one that Steve hasn't thought about yet. You already thought it through. You already had a plan. So I thought, okay, well, this guy has a level of clairvoyance and that's, that's pretty cool. So let's tap into that. And whether it's Agora or the market broadly, what do you, a lot of people really want to know what 2021 has in store. Obviously I'm, I'm, I'm thinking compliance is going to be a big thing. I think more and more lenders and buy here, pay here dealers getting more efficient using omni-channel methods is going to be a big push. But in terms of innovation, in terms of next steps for you guys, in terms of the market, what do you think for 2021? You know, great question. I mean, it's, you know, 2020 was challenging with COVID. 2021 um, appears that COVID will still be here with us for a while, you know, probably through the summer. I, I think with the Biden administration, you know, you hit on the head. We're going to see a couple of things. Some, uh, and regulation is not necessarily bad. You know, it's just over-regulation may be, you know, bad, but regulation is always needed and necessary. Um, you know, what's the saying that that regulation only affects the bad actors? You know, it, it, it try, the, the honest people are going to stay honest and, and the non-honest people, need we need regulation. But but putting all that aside, what I see for 2021 with the Biden administration, and they were announcing it today, is $2 trillion in stimulus. Mm-hmm. I think that stimulus for 2021 is going to be huge in the um non-prime market. So we have, we have two sides of a coin, right? We have lots of folks out of work, you know, and, and hurting because they don't have a job. And then on the flip side, we've got a lot of stimulus coming out um, in the form of commercial type stimulus, you know, with PPP loans and mm-hmm. stuff like that for the businesses. And then stimulus with direct checks to consumers and higher unemployment benefits and all that stuff. So First, I, I don't think the consumer, I think the consumer is going to be in good shape in 2021. I really believe that our Congress will pass some, you know, whether you agree with it or not, will pass, you know, a lot of stimulus to help the consumer. And I think that's going to be good. Um, I, I think 2021 is going to be the year of a lot of changing regulation and wake up calls to people that haven't focused on that in the past and need to start focusing on it. You know, the, the CFPB is certainly going to be more involved um, than they were under the Trump administration. So, so from a compliance standpoint, I, I would advise anybody that touches, you know, anything to do with a consumer. I don't care if you're selling a waffle iron. If you touch a consumer, 
I would think you would want to really pay attention to regulation, you know, even outside the auto industry. Um, but in the auto industry, I think regulations are going to get very, very tight and um, you better, you know, you, you better focus on it. As far as car sales, I, I think 21 is going to be a good year, I think, in car sales. We're, we're seeing indications right now. Um, I, I know you read reports about softening prices and, you know, um, more inventory becoming available on the market. We're actually seeing one of the unique benefits we have at Agora through our integrations is we get to see lots of transactions all the time. We're seeing, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly, how, how cars are selling, um, how um, repossessions occur and charge-offs occur and delinquencies and all of that. And, and we even have a COVID tracker that we did not see rising delinquencies in, in any material you know, fashion during COVID. We're starting to see repossessions picking up, you know, like most of the reports. But, you know, Joel, I just think 2021 is going to be the year of new and heavy regulation and a ton of stimulus out there. Mm. I mean, I don't know if I'm clairvoyant beyond that. And I don't know that that's even clairvoyance. I think it's, uh, <laughs> I think it's, I think you can pick up any newspaper and probably read everything I just said. <laughs> well, I tell you this, this, this whole event, you know, whether it's a pan, you call it pandemic or a, a cycle or what have, what have you. I remember the last great recession and I was just really banging my head against the wall. I was frustrated and I felt that the, you know, and I'm not trying to politicize anything by any means, but I just felt like there was just, there could have been a lot more done to help the businesses and the American consumer, because it's just really a shame when, you know, and the car manufacturers really benefited from that. And look what they did. They paid it back in spades. So, you know, I think that my hope is, is along your lines that, that at least if nothing else, the government can get together on the stimulus to help keep things moving along. And I, you know, I view, like I said, I view, I view this innovation that you've created as, as very helpful. Um, kind of a help yourself kind of thing. Um, you know, this this may sound a little bit nuts, but money is not our driver at Agora. You know, we make money, obviously, and we have to pay our bills, but that's not our number one driver. And, and th this is going to sound strange coming from a, a person in finance, but our number one driver is, is really creating a community for buy here, pay here dealers and small finance companies to be able to thrive and, and for that benefit to get passed down to the consumer. And if we're successful in creating that community for car dealers and, and small finance companies and, and the consumer, we make money. You know, yeah. that, that, that's the byproduct of creating that. So when we approach things here at Agora, our first thing that we look at is not profitability. I know that sounds crazy and, and especially for me because you know, my dad always told me that you open your business door, you got to make money day one. And then I went into the technology business and I learned that making money is not usually day one or year three or four. Mm -hmm. It's somewhere else down the road. Right. But but building a community was very important to us. And, you know, for that reason, car dealers pay us nothing. We charge a car dealer zero um, and we provide lots of things, for instance, you know, we have a, another feature called Agora Gold, which is a certification process. And, and if you're on our platform, we get sample contracts, we look at servicing, you know, and we certify that dealer 
you know, silver or gold. You know, we have two steps in the process. Um, it, it's dissimilar than what you have, Jack, at NAF on your certification. This is more, you know, digging into the nuts and bolts of a buy here, pay here dealer and how they interact with the, the consumer and, and all of that. So that even that certification, you know, we have compliance folks, senior compliance folks here at Agora that, that are employed here. We have a couple of outside companies as well. Um, and, and we do that for free. The analytics that we give back to the dealer to help them sell cars, you know, uh, more efficiently and treat the consumers better, that's also free. So everything that we do, other than when we move someone into a securitization, we don't charge the dealer on that either. We make money from the securitization itself. So at the end of the day, community is what Agora is really about and what we what we strive for. And that's our number one goal when we look at a new feature or a new product. Well, I love it. So, Jack, as the as the best looking person on the call today, um, I'll allow you to have kind of the last word or last. Do you have any more questions for Steve? <laughs> no, uh, <clears throat> I don't. But I uh, come back to the, the point I made earlier. Uh, the association has always tried to uh, see that the community of non-prime auto finance, the non-prime auto financing industry, not just the dealers themselves and the uh, uh, the finance companies, but the consumer. And uh, what, what Steve is doing here is um, uh, better for that community. And I'm just really pleased that someone was able to come up with a way to make uh, uh, the playing field more level for all uh, levels of finance companies, from the guy that's got $11,000 on its book to uh, you know several uh, billion. Uh, to the extent that the uh, the players in the in the arena can uh, compete, the consumer benefits, and yeah. that's what it's all about. You know, I, I got to add something to that about NAF. So when back in the early days of NAF, I remember sitting around in the board meetings and and talking about what did we want to do as an association, and it wasn't just provide another place for someone to go to meet someone and have drinks with them and network and eat dinner and whatever. It was a place to go to add value, to add education, to, to you know, because you can network anywhere, right? So it was, and, and there's tons of networking at NAF as well, but it was really an association where if I went there, I learned something. I came away with, with more knowledge after attending, you know, an NAF conference, let's say, than I would have had I not gone and and I give a lot of credit to Jack and Jack's team over the years as as you really accomplished that, Jack, you know, with your certification programs and, and ev- all the other educational opportunities. I mean, I I, I actually and, and I don't know if you're going to believe this or not, but, you know, when I mentioned I sold a company right to BB&T, that was a great deal for me, you know, from a financial standpoint. That only happened because of the NAF Association, because I met the guy that bought my company at NAF. <laughs> and, and I don't even want to mention names, but, but you know, those kind of things. And, and that wasn't because I met someone and had a drink with someone. That, that was because we worked together to better the industry. And, exactly. and, and to Jack's credit, you know, that's what NAF strive for is to better the industry, not to provide a place where I'm going to charge you a thousand bucks and you can network with someone. It was a place where you could better the industry. 
And, and I vividly remember that, Jack. I'll, I'll never forget that meeting because some of us were arguing, no, let's just get him in the door and, you know, make some money. And you no, know, Jack was, no, we have to better the industry. And, and that's what NAF has done. And I think we're a much better industry today because of NAF. Uh, I remember when we started the association, uh, Steve, the uh, non-prime world was uh, looked at in a, uh, a skeptical way. And uh, it certainly isn't anymore. And that's being polite. legitimate part of our industry. <laughs> and uh, uh, that's in part because of the people that joined to form the association. And that was our driver to, to make it honest and fair to the consumer. And we've come a long way. We really have. Yep. Thanks for a little history there. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's a good history. Yeah, it is. Thanks. I, well, you guys know where I stand on that. I love building community and I love spending time with people that are honest and hardworking like yourselves. Uh, real quick, before we close up, I'm going to ask you guys to uh, shout out the website, uh, provide any information, Jack, if, if uh, for the NAF Association, uh, the website. And, and if anybody wants to join, you know, how do they how do they do that or, or learn more about the programs? It's all on the website and it's NAF Association spelled out dot com. Uh, that'll get you there and everything's on the website. Outstanding. And, uh, and Steve Agora, we, 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 we mentioned the, the URL earlier, but if mm -hmm. let's say somebody's a high flyer, they just want to shoot over an email. Hey, I got, I got to talk to somebody. I got to get a demo, you know, sure. who should they, who should they email? So two ways, if you want to reach me, just email me at CEO at agoradata.com. Or you can go to our website, agoradata.com, and, you know, go to the About Us section, and my cell phone number is there, and my office number is there, and my email address is there, and as with the other, you know, members of our team. So very accessible, and, you know, I take phone calls literally 24 hours a day. My wife beats me up, you know, at 2 o'clock in the morning when I'm answering my phone, but that's just me. <laughs> well, Steve, thank you so much for taking the time today. Jack, thanks for joining to yeah, uh, help co-host us with me. Um, everybody, uh, like I said, thanks. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Jack. The Consumer Fi Podcast has been brought to you by Nortridge, loan software that accelerates change. We'd also like to thank the National Automotive Finance Association, the only trade association exclusively serving the non-prime auto financing industry.